This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. Um, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and news around the NHL. On tonight, we have a little bit of a special uh, episode for everyone. Normally, we talk about Wings hockey, Blackhawks hockey, what's going on in the league. We're talking about something that's a little bit different. It's still the offseason right now. Preseason starts in about a week or so. But given the fact that we're still about a week away from real content to talk about, I wanted to talk about something completely different than what is really going on right now. And that's the analytics world. Um, For anybody who's not really keeping up to date with the analytics world, a lot of hockey's analytics are offense-based, whether it be shot percentage, whether it be goals, assists, um, Corsi numbers, stuff like that. A lot of hockey's analytics are very much offense-based. And uh, we have here uh, David Radke and Danny Radke basically they're using the tracking technology that the NHL put out. I believe it was two Stanley Cups ago where the league could basically track player movement, puck movement for teams to study and look at. Um, David and Daniel, what you guys are doing is you guys are kind of using that information to sort of, I don't want to say evaluate necessarily effectiveness, but just like the decisions that players are making. And, you know, just during any given game, there are you know hundreds of passes that aren't accounted for on score sheets during a lot of hockey's analytic models. Um, just kind of, I guess, if you could give us a TLDR version, sort of walk us through what you guys are doing with that tracking information. Yeah, so we um, yeah we use the uh, player and puck tracking system to um, basically come up with a bunch of new metrics. Uh, away from offense for the most part, we sort the metrics into uh, three categories that have to do with passing lanes, um, passing effectiveness, and then pressure and how players uh, kind of handle pressure. Um, and they're, they're not uh, derived using like a black box technique or anything. Um, they're pretty, pretty standard uh, using the tracking system. And so uh, in, our, in our paper, which was published in August um, of 2021, uh, we kind of go through how we uh, derive all 11 statistics, so. So for you guys, I mean, obviously hockey has, for the most part, a lot of the times been a lot of offensive metrics when it comes to evaluating players. You know, how many goals are players gonna get? How many assists are they gonna get in a season? But a lot of plays don't start with the immediate first pass or the second pass inside the zone. There's a lot of setup plays. There's a lot of decision-making that goes on, whether it's how defensemen handle that initial pass off of like a center draw or in the opposing center on like a penalty kill or power play. Some of that stuff is really crucial to helping set up those plays that we see that do eventually generate the goals. Um, Power plays, I think, are a great example of this where you've got guys cycling a perimeter and three or four of those passes that eventually lead to that goal may not, you know, contribute or show on the score sheet. Um, 
how do you guys think moving forward that the analytics world might change if this tracking becomes something we see on the regular? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's still very new. I mean, they had the player impact tracking for two games uh, during in the bubble. And then last season, they um, chips on them and they brought the pucks in beginning of the season. And then at some point, uh, some of the players were complaining that the pucks weren't responding. They weren't bouncing the same way. So they took them all out. So actually last season, they had player tracking for every game, but most of the games, they didn't have the puck. Um, no, I, you still there, Dad? Or, sorry, still there, Daniel? Um, and I think... Yeah, so it kind of seems like Dan's cutting out a bit, but... Um, I'm by, I'm, am I back? Yeah. Yep. You there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. Um, yeah, so I was just saying, like, it's, it's super new data, and I think it's there's going to be different groups like us where we find the data and we think, oh, okay, what, what can we do with this? What sort of information can we gain from, from this new data? Um, so I think it'll sort of maybe come from untraditional areas, untraditional groups, such as our group, uh, just guys who played hockey their whole lives who are now studying computer science in computer science and thinking what cool things can we do with this new data? So I think that's sort of, you'll see a lot of that, I think, coming in the future. I think I think that's one of the things that jumps out to me about what the two of you are doing is you're sort of merging that you played hockey, you know hockey, uh, and you also know that analytical and technical side. You're merging the, the eye test and the actual knowledge with the fancy stats that we talk about and we see a lot of the time. Uh, one of the big things that jumps out to me about this, I'm a big fan of like stay-at-home defensemen. I feel like they don't get enough love. Uh, this is one of those things. One of the first things that jumped out to me was as these sort of analytics continue, you know, what are the, uh, you know, something like this being used by agents to say, hey, my guy doesn't show up on the score sheet a lot, but we can trigger, you know, you talked about tracking pressure. That's the big one to me, you know, being able to see, you know, how does this show somebody who's that fourth or fifth guy, the one that starts the play and then everything moves and gets exciting, but there was someone that started it. You know, how does that, you know, do you have a vision in your head of identifying some of these unsung heroes on a lot of teams? Yeah. And I mean, granted, uh, the data set that we use in the paper was only two games. Sure. Um, but, but we were able to actually find some really significant insights. They were two very important games. They were game five and six of the 2020 Stanley Cup finals in the bubble. Um, and we were actually able to identify some players that flew under the radar that uh, maybe didn't make a lot of money, um, but were awesome. performing, say, on par with guys who were making eight or $9 million a year. Um, coming as a defenseman Dan Dan's more of a, a skilled forward um even though I don't know how much he would uh tell you that himself but I you know growing up um I kind of uh worked on my passing a lot like I I think my passing is a good part of my game and so um it was kind of uh frustrating that there was really no statistic out there for passing and 
so when I when I started um, or when I came across this opportunity, I Dan and I were talking, and um, we uh, a lot of his friends uh, in Germany are um, working sports science and um, with European football, and European football is kind of really um, like pushing the boundaries on uh, what to do with tracking data because they've had tracking systems for over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of borrowed some ideas from European football um, and adapted them to hockey because obviously they, they wouldn't work perfectly. And so um, we had countless discussions trying to figure out how to adapt some, some of these ideas to ice hockey. Um, and also, I, I do think the passing stats are really significant um, when comparing positions together. So what we found is that, um, like, in terms of overtaking someone with a pass or passing plus minus, which is one of the things we came up with, which is, um, like, how many players do you beat um, or get beaten by with, with a pass? Um, and so we found that, like, it's – no matter what our algorithm was, uh, it was kind of analyzing the defenseman differently than say uh, the wingers or like the whoever's F1 on the forecheck. And so um, we found that actually like analyzing groups together, like if you analyze all the D together, you get a better idea of like um, who gets beat more, who makes more significant passing or has more significant passes in a game. Um, and yeah, so in these two games, we were able to identify some guys. Obviously, it's just two games, and those could be anomalies. Um, but given enough data, it would obviously be very interesting and very useful to people like agents, people like um, like the front office of the Detroit Red Wings, the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, mm-hmm. to actually have this data and um, be able to leverage it for uh, new contracts, stuff like that. I- I, I like that you brought up um, European football because my two favorite sports are hockey and uh, Premier League soccer. I watch a lot of it. And you're right, like their analytics are phenomenal in that you'll see a player that plays like in the midfield on a poor team and they're putting up great numbers. And you're like, well, it's probably because their team, he's the only player. But all those numbers they've compiled shows that they transition to a bigger team. They can still do those. Technology, I mean, we're in 2021, it's still changing. And as you said, like they took the pucks away after two games um, last year, but like we said, technology is ever evolving, ever changing. When do you think like the analytics in the NHL or other sports could be on par with what they have in like European football? Um, I mean, I think it'll take time. I think like they've had a 10 year head start, like Dave said, and you know, it's sort of, we're playing this catch up game and we can borrow a lot of things, but at the same time, uh, you know, while we're borrowing, they're advancing further. Um, I don't think it'll take 10 years because we have, you know, the papers that they've published to kind of use as reference like we did on some of our things. And then we brought some new, some new things to it as well. Um, but I think uh, like maybe Dave can talk a little bit more about sort of the betting idea that they've had. But I think as gambling comes more into the game, I think it'll push these sort of new analytics, new things that you can bet on. Um, especially since that's so new over here. Well, yeah, in North America. Yeah. Uh, whereas, well, where I live in Europe and in the UK, especially like there's betting shops on every corner. They've been betting on sports forever, but it's so new in the US, I think 
and Canada, it's like, I think that will really drive uh, these different analytics and different things because, you know, <laughs> people will bet on anything uh, when it comes to sports. So um, I think that will also really help carry a lot of these analytics and, and sort of the development go quicker uh, in that aspect. Yeah, they will bet on anything. They bet on the coin toss at the Super Bowl. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'll admit it. <laughs> I'm excited for these new analytics. Me too. It's exciting. One thing I kind I of want to ask. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think um, it all it all depends on the on the tracking system. There is, there is some work um, using computer vision. There's a lot of, uh, like, good groups. Some at, at the University of Waterloo, where I am, there's some an industry that are using computer vision to try and uh, create this type of tracking system like they do in European football and baseball, stuff like that. But um, it's a lot more difficult in hockey due to the occlusions of the boards, the occlusions of the players. Um, it's hard to actually pick out players' numbers. Um, speed. Speed, yeah, guys aren't always on the ice. The, the puck in general, um, in the actual video, the puck is extremely difficult to uh, pick up using computer vision. Like it's, I've, I've talked to many professors about how, how difficult of a problem that is. Um, and so I think the, the, ultimately the tracking system in ice hockey is necessary. And once that tracking system is implemented and once it's perfected, then um, there's a lot that can be built on top of it. I think there there will be a wave in the next couple years or so where um there's enough hockey players in the uh hockey community that are interested in um stuff like this that uh i i mean i can think of in the last couple of years i can think of five or six computer science majors on college hockey teams um, which just wasn't, I mean, I don't think that was a thing when Dan was going through university. Um, but like I, I had another one on my college team and I, I had one Alex Pavalchuk on this paper, um, here at, at Waterloo who, um, did his master's in computer science, uh, when, when we were writing this paper. Um, and so kind of like, as Dan said, more, uh, as there become more, uh, hockey players that are interested and capable to actually understand what's missing and get access to the data that's huge uh, right now it's it's not the easiest thing to to access um, that will kind of drive the the movement of these new analytics and um, I mean we kind of in soccer it's a lot easier they have a lot more access to data there's a lot more people in Europe that are crazy about soccer uh, who have that computer science kind of um, AI background. Um, so, for instance, the workshop that we published the paper at, there were tons of English Premier League guys, a um, couple guys from Liverpool, um, some guys from other clubs, and they basically just uh, kind of talked about where the field is and where it's going and what their job's like, and it was super interesting to hear. Um, and I hope hockey gets there. So. Um, one thing I kind of want to ask both of you guys about, you guys mentioned you, that even just during the games that we have the sample size for, 
there were some guys who were not making a ton of money, but were performing very well given their salary comparable to guys who are making, you know, eight or $9 million a year. My question is, do you guys think that'll ever jump over to the minor leagues at all? I mean, we have these organizations that are trying to shortcut rebuilds as much as they can because they're trying to stay competitive as much as they can just to bring in revenue. Do you guys think that it's ever going to get to the point where even like these junior leagues have that information so these teams can find those, you know, diamond of the rough players sooner rather than later and more often? I think it's really interesting how sometimes you get these guys who are sixth or seventh round picks and they turn into very, very good top six players or top pair defensemen every once in a great while, but they do happen. And it's just because the, the information wasn't there on these teams to know that they were going to be this good. Yeah. I, I that's a, that's like a, this might happen in the future, but um, getting back to the data part, the data has to be there. Um, and right now, I mean, last season, the data was halfway there in the NHL. We didn't have the puck. So for it to be implemented in a junior league, um, like you're only as good as your data. Uh, and so right now, no, I would say that's not quite possible. But in the future, if the tracking systems become more relevant, or not, not more relevant, but more available and more popular, then yeah, I could definitely see it happening. Um, but for right now, I think because at least our analytics rely on that player and puck tracking data, which is where the NHL is going. Um, right now, it's really, you only have data on those NHL players. Um, but yeah, in the future, if those tracking systems trickle down into the junior leagues, into the college leagues, um, then it's definitely uh, you know a way to try to find a diamond in a rough. Uh, you know, like the Red Wings did so well for so many years. I will. So, yeah, I will say, I think um, Dan's right. Like it really depends on, on the data and collecting data, but I think it's important to also point out that like our metrics are not um, like the gold standard highlighting this player is uh, the next Connor McDavid or this player uh, is the next Bobby Orr. It's basically are like everyone knows that Victor Hedman doesn't get beat much by passes and that he, he can make very good passes. Like us using the eye test can, can identify that. And us watching hockey can identify who good defensemen are and who get beat more than others, stuff like that. What this does is it kind of um, assigns some numerical value to that. So instead of us just saying Victor Hedman's a good defenseman, doesn't get beat a lot it actually assigns some numeric value to, oh, he gets beat uh, this much compared to however many players he beats with passes or um, stuff like that, which could be really significant in junior leagues if it's implemented, given that NHL scouts can't actually watch every single junior game. And instead, um, maybe you do have those players that are kind of overlooked for various reasons, be it their size, their um, their shot, something like that. But you get a situation where you have some ground truth, depending on the data, numeric value on the ability of a player in certain situations. So I think, like Dan said, it all depends on the on the data we have. Um, but in the future, assuming that that is possible, I think that's kind of where the biggest impact here 
would be. Um, so to carry kind of back a little bit to like the technology and when it will be there, like you talked about how in, in Europe, like in so- like soccer is that sport, that's their lifeblood, whether it's a Chelsea in Everton, a Liverpool to a Sheffield Wednesday or a Sunderland, like that is the fan base there. That's what they follow. That's why it was able to be developed in the United States. Anytime you go on ESPN, it's the NBA, the NFL, or the MLB. You rarely see NHL news. How much of an impact do you think that is in terms of that technology being more advanced and developed to where we are, or where we want it to be, I should say? Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, that's a good, a good point, because I know the NBA does have, like, their analytics are a bit further along in terms of their tracking and their position data um, and that sort of thing. So um, I think a lot of it does have to do with they've had the data for longer because I think they rely on um, like just using the cameras to get player position. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I think I hate to, circle back but a lot of it has to do with the data and just having it out there or just having it being available for for different people to work with um i wonder if maybe the the new tv deal in the states will help try to like push that forward because um you know like you said you log on and you see nba uh nfl mlb like because hockey hasn't been part of that espn family you know they haven't really been promoting it as much as those other three so that could also help push things forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see here in the new season how much they pr- they're promoting in the States, um, TNT as well. So um, that, could, that could certainly help. Yeah, I'll just I'll add on to that. Um, I think like if you look at what the big uh, like revenue driver is in, in all these sports, and we kind of talked about it earlier, is um, like fantasy sports and gambling and betting. And now that... Um, like gambling is becoming a lot more widespread. Um, we, like all of my teammates for years have have had a, a fantasy football league or multiple fantasy football leagues. And um, I mean, I know Dan has picked up uh, like European soccer gambling and gambling on cricket and stuff since he's been in Europe. And um, well, I've never gambled on cricket. Yeah. Well, and anyways, it's like, if, if you look at what's actually um, driving interest in these sports, yeah, they're fun to watch and you can kind of uh, hang out on Sunday and watch them all day. But um, you can go down to the corner store here in Ontario and pick up a, a gambling ticket where you, uh, you bet Aaron Rodgers is going to pass over 80 yards. And it's like they can measure that very accurately given the nature of football. In hockey, we don't really have that. We have, oh, Austin Matthews will get over two shots this game. But, like, that's not as interesting as, oh, there's uh, these 11 new stats that have to do with stuff that actually happen in the game. So, say, um, say you maybe uh, want to gamble on a player that uh, is, is maybe better at moving the puck. And now, given the accuracy of these stats, given the tracking system, and given uh, – the maturity of these stats we could actually and this was um the the main idea behind 
um, the hackathon where I first got access to this data was um, like coming up with a, my hackathon team. And I came up with this uh, like in-game real-time uh, fantasy gambling application where uh, you were actually like playing the game uh, while watching the game and you would pick players and they would get you points or lose you points. For instance, like if I choose a player to go out there and get beat and he, he goes and gets beat by a pass, then it loses me points. Or uh, if I pick a guy and he goes out and he, he makes a stretch pass, even if that stretch pass, even if the player who received that stretch pass misses, I all of a sudden got points because my player made an unbelievable, unbelievable pass to the far blue line, stuff like that. So I think this, this uh, aspect of gambling um, and kind of fantasy sports really drives the maturity of these, these metrics. And um, I think, you know, given, given the right circumstances, that the same would probably happen in hockey. Um, we've only got a couple more minutes with you guys. So I kind of wanted to ask, I think one more question before we let you guys go for the evening. Um, obviously we've talked about, you know, the gambling aspect of it will probably drive interest. Um, also just the analytics world, these teams, like I said, are trying to get better, quicker, faster. Um, that's kind of driving interest as well. If looking at like the timeline for these metrics to hopefully one day just be in every single game, you can look at every single game's data set and just sort of break down play by play, player by player, who the effective players were. In your guys' opinion, what do you think would be like that golden, like that golden standard in the analytics world? Would it just be like this access to every single pass, every single shot, everything in this game? And at that point you have enough data to really study every single facet of the game, or do you think there's still, still somewhere for analytics to, you know, grow in the sport aside from just like studying where the puck and these players are moving. So I, I think the, the player and puck tracking data is really good, obviously. And it's um, it, if it's implemented, it would be a a great data set to have Um, there there is still more data that can be collected, um, such as stick position, uh, orientation, like pose of, of which direction a player is facing, which isn't very intuitive to get from hockey tracking data because players can skate backwards. Um, and so I, for instance, I know the company Stathletes and uh, some groups at the University of Waterloo were working on things like that. There's uh, groups all around the world working on post um, detection in soccer. Um, so there, there will be new challenges in data collection, um, but the, from my point of view, the player and puck tracking data is a very necessary first step um, in actually designing these. Yeah. And I would say it doesn't just go, I mean, you mentioned like every pass and all of that stuff. I think um, you really need like that sub-second position of everything to really gain the insight uh, into like what we were taking. So it was sort of a whole game of sub-second locations of everything. And that way you have the full scope of everything and then you can start sort of combing through it and trying to find these uh, different instances like we focus on passes which you can mark but even if you're trying to look at you know how the shape of a team changes through a power play or something like that you you wouldn't really say 
look for one event, you would sort of say, okay, I want to look at everything during that power play. Um, like every 10th of a second, the locations of each player. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I just, I like as much data as I can. So I say, give us all the data. Um, but, you know, there's, that's not always the, the easiest thing to do. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think in my opinion, or at least what I would like would be that sub-second data um, on the game or shots and stuff like that. Okay. That's uh, really quick. <clears throat> you know, I know we're wrapping up and time is short. I just got to ask, you know, with the two of you, this is, you know, fascinating, a new different branch of analytics than we've seen. Uh, what's next? Are you looking to plug anything? Like, is there a next step that you're looking to take this to? sort of what's the game plan on your end? You've got this really cool model. Uh, and I know I'm certainly curious. I bet the people listening to this are curious. What's, uh, what's next? So right now um, we're, we're in the process uh, with Tim Brecht, our other uh, co-author, um, of trying to get access to more data. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, that that's the big thing. Like we've, we've been alluding to it the whole time. Um, like Dan and I, we've, we've both played hockey our entire lives. We still play hockey and, um, and access to the data is, is the biggest thing. We, we couldn't really, um, so we were talking about AI earlier and that's my, my main area of research is in AI. And there's a million different things that Dan and I have talked about doing, um, given enough data to actually, implement some um some things in ai or using ai um and and yeah like what what's next is if we could get uh access to a lot of data we like the two of us we've talked um we're we're driving for a couple hours a few weeks ago and we were just bouncing ideas off each other and um came up with half a dozen things that we could that we could do that would be super interesting um but we need, we need access to the data. And, um, you know, that's, uh, difficult in any sense, but, um, it's kind of like Dan alluded to earlier, uh, the only way that development really happens is if people can actually, uh, get access to, uh, to the data set and actually get their hands dirty with it and play around with it. Um, but yeah, like the, We've talked about things that um, would re really like revolutionize hockey in the way that it's viewed and the way it's consumed and stuff. Um, and we would like to have the opportunity okay. to do that. And we're, we're trying to make that happen. So, yeah, but it's also like, you know, this isn't Dave's area of research. This is sort of a side project. And um, like I'm working. So, this was also sort of like a bit of a side project. And so, um, yeah, we're just trying to find like, can we get more access to the data? Can we find the time to continue this kind of stuff? Um, because I mean, it's really cool. And like, I'll just share one thing from when we were going through all of the analysis and um, we were looking at the passing lanes. Um, we we're looking at the passing lanes of, of passes made by a player. And we sort of, we were looking at, you know, wide passing lanes versus skinny passing lanes and that sort of thing. And we plotted sort of heat maps. So imagine the player is forward and it was like 
sort of a 360 of every pass they made and sort of overlaid every pass with the, the passing lane shape that we have calculated. They're, they're figure 4A in the paper. If okay, I wasn't Great. sure if they made Thank it into you. the paper. Yeah, um, three of them are, but the one you're about to bring up is not in the paper. <laughs> okay, so, but it was interesting because you could really see positionally like two defense, like a lefty and a righty, a pair. You can see, that, oh, they go D to D a lot and that passing lane is open a lot because it's sort of, you can see that darker spot going okay. in between them. And then we, we saw Kucherov's and it was like, you know, you saw the 2D where there were some dark spots around them where they were making passes. And then Kucherov, there was no dark spot. And you thought, well, he does play right wing. Like, there should be something. And then it was like, okay, well, maybe he's not making as many passes as these defensemen because, you know, they're making the easy passes back and forth as they come up the ice, stuff like that behind the net. And I was like, no, actually, he makes more passes than them. And then we started looking more into it and I was like okay his average passing lane is just so skinny compared to these D wow. that that when you overlay all of them and it's so skinny and it's in so many different directions that you don't actually find a hot spot in his heat map it's just sort of all white that's incredible um, wow and like so I, I was listening to Stan Coast on the 31 slash 2 thoughts podcast uh, I guess last week yeah and he was talking about how Kucherov just, he threads passes, like, it's ridiculous. And we all see it on TV, but then oh. to actually look at the data and go, this data actually says, on average, his passing lanes are skinnier than most people, and he's actually <laughs> making more passes. That was just something cool that, you know, we see it with our eyes, but then here's in the data, we're seeing it in the data. So that was, I think, the coolest thing that we, th this happened not just once, but like all these different things. Um, Whereas, like, you know, we, we're used to seeing this on TV and now we're seeing it in the data and it's like, okay, that's, that makes sense and it's actually really cool. Like, we know these players are great, like Kucherov, Ovechkin, they're all great. But this kind of data just, like, it opens your eyes more. You're like, like wow, like, their hockey IQ is just, like, so high how, like, Kucherov can find those passes, can thread those needles. Like, it's like a quarterback throwing a football between three defenders to get it to his receiver, like, you can see that, but like these stats, that's what you're seeing with that. It's so cool to think about. Yeah, and the hockey IQ is one thing that we definitely try to focus on. Cool. Um, with the with the stats, um, especially stuff like the passing lanes and and the availability. So we sort of track like if I'm uh, if my teammate has the puck, how open am I on average? So as a centerman, you know, you want to be that guy in the middle, always supporting the puck, um, and so sort of that hockey IQ of that's that was one of the main things that we wanted to focus on throughout the different uh, things that we came up with. So if I'm a listener at home, where do I go to do a little more research on this? Where do I go to find, is your paper accessible? You know, is there a best place to go? Yeah. So I, I have a, a landing page for the paper, which um, I'll share with you guys. I'll share. Yeah. That. And we'll link it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, post. There on that landing page, there's also um, an embedded YouTube video to a long version of the talk that I gave at uh, the workshop when we published it. And that basically goes through uh, all of the methods that, um, that we have in the paper. Um, and then it also has some uh, pretty cool animations of actually uh, showing on the ice with players moving 
um, like how much pressure a player is under, how they react to that pressure, uh, the the actual passing lanes, the receivers, what decisions they end up making, and then also um, when a player overtakes some players uh, with a pass, how that's calculated, stuff like that. So uh, the video the video is really good. Um, and I, yeah, so it's on that landing page. Everything, everything's there that you need to know. And I'll share that link with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on um, again. What you guys are doing, I think is really interesting. I think it's kind of like that next level of analytics that we're looking at in the future. That's really going to change the way that players are evaluated. And even maybe the way that like teams start putting their players together. Um, like so the really fascinating, and I think what you guys are doing is really cool. Um, if you guys want to check out David or Daniel's uh, paper, I'll put links to it in the description for this show and in the show notes. And we'll also share it on Twitter in the event you guys missed the first share. Um, David, Daniel, page. thank you guys again for coming on the show. This is kind of cool just to see your guys' yeah. work and have you guys thank sort you of guys. talk through with us what you guys are working on because it's it's a really unique project. And it's kind of, like I said, it's that next level of analytics that might be driving the future of how we evaluate uh, evaluate players. Yeah, thanks for having us. This uh, is yeah. really good. We, we always like coming on and uh, like talking to people about it. And it, like Dan said, it's kind of, it's a side project for us or it, it mm-hmm. started as a side project, but um, we're, we're both uh, extremely interested in this and uh, can definitely see where the hockey community can benefit. Yeah, and I yeah, remember hearing you say that you focus on AI. So I'm going to have to do some more research on what you're doing with that because AI is interesting to me as well. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. No, no, no problem. Uh, he'll talk your ear off if you have time. <laughs> um, no, yeah, thanks for having us. I'm glad that we could make it work. Um, and yeah, like it was a side a side gig and it still is, but I think, I, mean, I think we'd both love to make it more of a main gig if we can in the future because, you know, we both love hockey, grew up playing hockey, still play hockey, love the AI and the computer science part. So to do it together is just something that's super cool and and um just you know it doesn't it feels it feels cool just working on it and and sort of gaining these insights so let's well, getting a little bit late for you daniel so yeah, we'll go yeah, ahead and almost yeah. three uh where you're at <laughs> where yeah, i'm gonna head back to sleep i'm in germany yeah like oh wow in okay. west germany close to the french border oh yeah. okay cool so i well, came yeah. out here to do a master's and then stayed for almost four years now he uh he actually plays in the German fourth division right now and uh had a four point game yesterday. Not a big deal. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Skated twice in go. like the first time in a year and then jumped right into the game. So <laughs> That's super go. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's uh out there currently playing with one of our very good childhood friends, Josh. He's who am I guess? He's sitting on the couch over here. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I'm going to have to follow the German fourth league. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, thank you guys again for coming on the show. We'd love to have you guys on again at some point when you guys start doing more work on this project. Cause like I said, I think it's really fascinating. And I think you guys are like on the verge of that next level of analytics for the hockey world. Um, like I said, the link though for their work will be in the description for this episode and we'll also put it in the show notes as well. Um, 
But again, David and Daniel, thank you guys for coming on the show. We appreciate having you guys on. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks yeah, a lot. for sure. Have a good night.